Hello and welcome. My name is um, Adam Curtis. I'm the curate here at Christchurch. And hello to everyone who's watching on the live stream. It's good to be with you all this morning. Um, as we come to God's word, let's, let's pray. Oh, dearest God, as we saw the kids and young people rush out to their groups now, we just pray for all of them. We pray may, um, may this be a safe time, may this be a happy time, may this be a joyful time in church together. We pray for them, Father God, that, that in their different groups and at their different levels they may come now to, to know and trust and see and love the Lord Jesus Christ so that they may follow him wherever he may lead them. And we pray, Father God, that same thing for us as we come to your word here. Will we be led to Jesus? Will we be led to see him, to know him, to feel how he is leading us in our lives. Will you speak to us, Father God, as we come to your word now? In the name of Jesus. Amen. If you have, um, have a Bible, then please do keep Ruth open in front of you. That would be very helpful. So we're in Ruth chapter 3. Kindness changes people. Kindness changes people. A few drops of rain on a very dry ground isn't going to do very much, but when there is a downpour, even the driest of ground can produce life. Kindness changes people. I don't know if you've ever read the book or seen the musical or watched the film of Les Mis. And we have that incredible story of Jean Valjean, who, this is the first opening chapter, so it's not spoiling too much if you haven't read it. But you have Jean Valjean, he's a prisoner, and he's set free. And one of the first things um, he does, he tries to find work, he can't, he's homeless. This priest welcomes him into his house, and Jean, Jean Valjean sees that this priest has lots of silver, and so in the middle of the night, he steals all the silver and runs off. But he doesn't get particularly far. Some soldiers come and arrest him and, and drag him back. And then the most remarkable thing happens. The priest turns to Jean Valjean and he said, in your hurry to get away, you forgot the best. You forgot these silver candlesticks. And the priest gave them to Jean Valjean. And this act of kindness was transformative. In the musical, then, there's this beautiful... Um, confession song, a con conversion song, and Jean Valjean like lets go of who he was and moves towards who he's now going to be. This, this act of kindness has changed him. Kindness changes people. And we've seen that already in the book of Ruth in chapters 1 and 2, because the book of Ruth starts with absolute disaster. It's just disaster. You have Naomi and her husband, two sons, two wives, death. Husband, dead. Sons, dead. One of the Naomi's daughter-in-laws has left. It's just the two of them now. It's disaster. And in this state of disaster, they, they come back. She has left Israel, and now she has come back. She has come back into the land. Her and Ruth have returned. And, and once they have returned to Bethlehem in particular, and Bethlehem means house of bread. So they've now returned to the house of bread. They've, they've returned into the kindness of the Lord. 
And they start to experience that kindness. Ruth is, she's given work and she's, she's able to feed herself and, and Naomi. Under the, the banner of the Lord and the Lord's land and kingdom, there, is, there are rules set up to enable the poor and the widow to, to be fed, to be looked after, to be supported. And the rule we saw in chapter 2 was how you had to leave, you had to leave um, part of your field so that the poor could harvest it. So we're seeing Ruth and Naomi coming under the kindness of the Lord. And look down with me in chapter 2, verse 12. They hear Boaz speak about this act of Ruth and Naomi coming back. Actually, let's start from verse 11. Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Under whose wings you have come to take refuge. As Naomi, as Ruth have returned into the land, they're returning under the wings of the Lord. They're experiencing his kindness And this kindness has started to change them. Kindness changes people. Because remember when Naomi came back at the end of chapter 1, she wanted to change her name to Mara. And what does Mara mean? Bitterness. Bitterness. But now at the end of chapter 2, how does Naomi respond to what she's heard? Verse 20, the Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. The Lord has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. The Lord has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. (laughs) Under the wings of the Lord, this bitter woman is now praising him. This bitter woman is starting to respond to, to his kindness. She's starting to be transformed. Kindness changes people. And we start to see in this, what I think is quite a bizarre chapter, if I'm being honest, Ruth chapter three, this story, we start to see how this kindness has transformed Naomi, how this kindness transforms Ruth, how this kindness impacts onto Boaz. So in chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, we see that Naomi's being changed by this kindness and is leading her to make plans. She's making plans. Look down with me in verse 1. She's got this motivation. My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you? Will you be provided for? So she's got this great motivation. She sees that Ruth needs provision. And so Naomi wants to find a home for her to be provided for. So that's her motivation. And then what's this motivation drives her, then verse, verse 2, is not Boaz with whose servant girls you have been a kinsman of ours? Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. So... So how it works, when you're under the wings of the Lord, when you're in the land of Israel, under the law of God, God cares about the widow and he cares about the poor. And he wants them to be protected. And so in those times, the way in which that protection and that care was enacted, when you had a, a poor widow, when, if, if, when her husband has died, it's the rest of, her, of his family have got to still look after her. They've got to care for her. And actually, she's got to provide for her and have a husband. 
And we hear that, and it's just like, what's going on? Why can't, why can't this single woman just be left alone? Surely she can fend, fend for herself. But that's because we're coming to this with, with our welfare state mindset. But this was not a welfare state. The welfare state of that day and age was your family. It was your husband, it was your wife, it was your children, it was your grandchildren. It was your children who are going to look after you in your old age. It is your grandchildren who are going to put food upon your table. So when we come with this mindset that, that family is going to be this area of protection, we start to see this, this loving kindness that the Lord has for, for Ruth. And, and actually this need of a, king, of a guardian redeemer, a kinsman redeemer, someone from her husband's family who's going to look after her and protect her. Someone who, who they can have children with. The Lord loves his people. He wants to protect the poor and the vulnerable. And so Naomi starts making her plans. Her motivation, she wants to protect Ruth, provide for Ruth. She sees the man she wants Ruth fundamentally to marry, this kingsman redeemer, this guardian redeemer. And so she puts a plan into motion. Verse 3, you've got to go wash, you've got to go put perfume on, you've got to put your best clothes on, you've got to look the part, you've got to win his eye and win his heart. You've got to, got to go to where he's going to be this evening. So he, she creates this plan. So kindness changes people, and we see Nomi, this bitter woman, now making plans. But kindness changes people, and we see Ruth being incredibly daring. Because that's the strangeness of then of this story. It just keeps on getting stranger. We see Ruth being daring. Nomi makes her plans, and Ruth is daring. Verse 5 to 9, we'll be looking at Ruth. And how is Ruth so daring? Well, firstly, she's daring because Boaz is at an all-male event and Ruth goes to see him in the middle of the night. So that already is very, is very daring. He's at an all-male event. Ruth goes and sees him in the middle of the night. Then, um, let's, let's just read that, verse 7. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. So Ruth's there. What did she do? Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay there, uncovered his feet. This is the next thing which is very, very daring. Ruth uncovers Boaz's feet. And I was doing a bit of thinking about why does she do this and what's going, going on. And I'll be honest to say, I'm not 100% sure why Ruth uncovers Boaz's feet. But what I am aware of is that when your feet are uncovered at night, you wake up. So maybe this is just a means of her waking him up. And now I'm probably showing a bit too much detail, but because I'm a very long man, I, I really know the difficulties of having cold feet. Because a duvet cover does not cover my feet, and it stops. So it um, stops just, just before my feet, and so I have to put a little quilt over the top of my feet so they stay warm. And sometimes during the night, I kick or whatever, and the quilt falls off, my feet gets cold, and I wake up, and I'm like, oh, my feet are freezing cold. So I'm not 100% sure why Ruth uncovers Boaz's feet, but I would know it's going to wake you up. It's going to wake you up. And so let's, let's see what then happens. Verse, verse, verse 8. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I'm your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kingsman redeemer. So a kingsman redeemer, we looked at earlier, is going to be a man from her old husband's family who's going to 
They're going to marry, and he's going to, they're going to be able to protect each other, produce children together, this welfare state. So in Ruth saying to Boaz, will you be my kingsman redeemer, it is her getting down on one knee and saying, will you marry me? That is daring. She is daring. She's gone to the middle of the night to this all-male event. She's uncovered this man's uh, feet as he's fast asleep. He wakes up, and, he, and she says to him, will you marry me? <laughs> that is... That is a daring thing to do. And it made me, I was reflecting, this is sort of a classic uh, boy and girl story now, but I was reflecting about two friends of mine from uh, a church, a city centre church I used to, used to be a part of. Now this was a, a case where the girl liked the boy, but he was a bit blind and he didn't realise what was happening. And he didn't realise that she, um, she had such strong feelings and emotions for him. And she decided, okay, I'm going to take this into my own hands because he's just not opening his eyes to what's going on. And so she decided to send him a few gifts. And the gifts involved basically photos of the two of them, and it was a photo of the two of them printed upon 15 marshmallows. And, and it was a wake-up call, and suddenly this, this man realized that this, this woman liked him. I remember having a conversation with him, and then with a different female friend. And this other female friend hearing about what had occurred, she responded, well, I love how daring that girl is. I love how daring that girl is. The boy's not opening his eyes. He's not realizing what's right in front of him. And so she takes it into her own hand. And it's like, it is daring. Ruth is being daring here. And the very fact that later on in the story, Boaz is concerned that no one sees that Ruth has been here demonstrates how daring it is. She's not meant to have been there. Okay, so kindness changes people. We see Ruth, Naomi making plans. We see Ruth being incredibly daring. But now we see Boaz taking a risk. Because Boaz is also under the wings of the Lord, and we see him taking a risk. Let's look at how he responds to what's occurred, to this proposal. Well, firstly, he acknowledges like, how kind Ruth is being. Like Ruth could have run after younger men, thus implying that Boaz is for prey in his middle ages, and Ruth is younger. It's not only how kind Ruth is to, to be interested in him, which I think is quite a cute little statement. Um, but she's also saying, saying, I will do all you ask, which is, yes, I will marry you. I will be your kinsman and demon, yes. However, there's a risk. There is a risk. Because Boaz knows that he is not actually the next in line to be her kingsman redeemer. He knows that there is another male relative who must be available who, who could be her kingsman redeemer instead. And Boaz knows that there's another man who's available, who's closer to Ruth, who's, who should be taking responsibility um, for her and should be protecting her. And the very fact that Boaz has even found this information out, I think is a demonstration of how much he actually does care for her because he's done the research and found out that actually he's not the one who is next in line to marry her. So he's done the research, he's found out he's not next in line to marry her. His heart, though, I think is saying, wants her and wants to marry her, and he's saying yes to this marriage proposal, I'll be your kingdom, kingsman redeemer, but he's like, I'm not, I haven't, I'm not actually the next one in line under God's law here. His heart is saying one thing, God's law is saying another thing, so what does Burrs do? where he takes a risk and he goes with God's law. He goes with God's way. 
He goes with the arc of God's plans and purposes. He doesn't rebel against him. He doesn't go his own way. Even though you'd say, well, this is good, surely. This is a good thing he wants. No, he goes God's way. He takes a risk. His heart wants one thing. God's way wants another. So he takes a risk by going God's way, by going with the Lord. He's saying, I'm going to live God's way, whatever the risk. And we'll see how that risk turns out next week in chapter 4. But to conclude the rest of um, chapter 3 in this, this episode, in this story, we see just more acts of uh, Boaz's kindness. Boaz in chapter 2 was providing for Ruth and protecting Ruth. Now Boaz in chapter 3 is just giving her all this barley and all this food. And one of the greatest acts of kindness you can show to someone who's poor and hungry, you can give them some food. And that's what Boaz does. And then Ruth goes home with all this provision and clearly this this positive story to tell to Naomi and Naomi asks her, how did it go? And she shares the news and Naomi is filled with hope. Look down with me at verse, um, verse 18. Then Naomi said, wait my daughter until you find out what happens for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. She's filled with hope that he's going to be an honourable man, that he's going to fulfil his word, that that something's going to happen. She's filled with hope. That is a very quick overview of chapter 3. There's probably lots more we could delve into. And there's also, I think there's loads of questions this chapter raises, because I think it's it's bizarre. I think it's a bizarre story. But the thing which I think is really important on our minds is, why does God want us to know this? (laughs) This is a bizarre story. Why does God want us to know this? Why does he need us to hear this, to understand this, to grasp this? And as I was thinking, and as I was praying, as I was wrestling that question over in my head, I think it's because he wants us to know what life is like under his wing. God wants us to know what life is like when you are under his wing. Because that's the language Boaz used of Ruth and Naomi when they returned to Israel. You have come under the wings of the Lord. This is a chapter representing them being under the wings of the Lord. And that image of being under the wings of the Lord, that is the image of, of a nest and eggs and a mother bird sat on top of them. That is an image of nurture. That is an image of safety. That is an image of protection. That is an image of refuge. So the story of Ruth, it is this story of people being in great danger coming to a place of refuge. It is a story of people being in great vulnerability coming to a place of of safety. It is a story of a people in great insecurity coming to a place which they can call home. What is life like under the wings of the Lord? And this, I think, is a story of Ruth, but I also think this is the the Christian story. This is the gospel story. We were enemies of God, and now we've become his friends. We were spiritually dead, and now we're alive. We were sinners, and now we're righteous. We were orphans, and now we're home with our Heavenly Father. 
We're under the wings of the Lord, under his love and his protection. This is our story of us coming under the wings of the Lord. But then the story goes on. It doesn't finish with Ruth and Naomi just coming to the land and experiencing his kindness. The story continues. Ruth 3 continues. We come under the wings of the Lord and it continues. And I think it prompts a question. What does life look like when you've experienced the kindness of God? What does life look like when you've received the kindness of God? What is it like if you, a son who has spat in your father's face, who has taken his money, who has run away from home, who said, I want you dead and you're worthless, I want nothing to do with you, and then you've run away to a foreign city and you've spent all that money on wild living until it is gone and it is empty and you are empty until you are hungry and working in the dirt and working in the muck. What is it like for that son who is at the bottom of the bottom, who thinks the only place I can find refuge now is if I go back to my father, and he goes back to his father, and he thinks my father's going to rebuke me. My father's going to judge me. What is it like for that son who's been at the bottom of the bottom, who thinks his father's going to rebuke him, who comes back to his father and experiences love and grace? A father who sees his son coming towards him and runs out to meet him, puts his cloak around him, puts gold rings upon his hands and shoes on his feet, who throws a massive feast because this son who was lost has now been found. What is it like to live when you've experienced that kindness? What is it like to live when you are under the wings of the Lord? Because this is Naomi's experience. Mara, bitterness. The Lord is kind, she says. This is our experience. And it is, it is our experience or it's the experience on offer to anyone who would believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. That he's died to save us. That he's risen from the dead. This is our experience. This is on offer to us. So Ruth 3 paints a picture of what that life will look like under the wings of the Lord. And as I was doing some reading about this chapter, (laughs) I was reading a book by by an author called John Piper on Ruth, A Sweet and Bitter Providence, and I found this unbelievably helpful. And um, I just want to read you one of his reflections upon this kindness seen in Ruth 3. One of the lessons I've learned from this chapter is that hope helps us dream. Hope helps us to think up ways to do good. Hope helps us pursue our ventures with virtue and integrity. It is hopelessness that makes people think they have to lie and steal and seize illicit pleasures for the moment. But hope based on the confidence that a sovereign God is for us, gives us a thrilling impulse to pursue righteousness. (laughs) Let me read that last sentence. But hope, based on the confidence that a sovereign God is for us, gives us a thrilling impulse to pursue 
righteousness. Hope helps us dream. And let's follow the logic of that. We know the loving kindness of our God. We're under his wings. We're under his protections. We are safe. And when you're in a position of safety, well, that helps you to hope that a better world can be made. And when you're hoping that a better world can be made, that a better world is going to come in this life and the next, well, this helps us to dream, to dream dreams for our church, to dream dreams for our families, dream dreams for our lives, dream dreams for the people we love. And, the, and when we're dreaming these dreams about what life could be, well, this leads us to action. Kindness leads to hope. Hope leads to dreams. Dreams lead to actions. And that's what we see all over Ruth 3. Naomi makes her plans. Ruth is daring. Boaz takes this risk. And in each of their dreams, their hopes, their plans, we see goodness. We see righteousness. They have good dreams and good plans, holy plans, godly plans. Because who are the people who are going to prosper in all of these things? There's, there's goodness throughout. Like you see in Naomi. Who, who's she making these plans for? Verse 1, my daughter, should I not try to find a home for? For? Who's she trying to find a home for? For Naomi? For myself? My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you? Naomi is making good plans for Ruth. Ruth, she's being daring, but there's a goodness to this daring. Like, like she could have gone after the younger men, but she's choosing to go after one of her kingsmen redeemer. She's choosing to follow God's way. There's goodness to this plan because it's following God's way. There's goodness to, to Burr's risk. Like his heart wants to marry Ruth, but he, want, but he knows what God's will and way is, so there's a goodness to his risk. He says, I'm going to risk it by going with the Lord rather than against him. Hope is helping us dream, but these are always righteous dreams, good dreams, holy dreams. So what is God saying to us today here in Sidcup? For those under my wing, risk is right. For those under my wing, risk is right. I went to university with a beautiful couple, wonderful friends of mine, and uh, they, uh, after university was done in Cardiff, they went and joined a church plant. They, they bought a house right by this church. They got jobs in this, little, in this valley. Uh, and they, were, they committed lots of time and energy in their lives to this, to this church. And, and the tragedy was, it was just, it was unhealthy. It was an unhealthy plant, it was unhealthy leadership, and, and it was just exhausting. And they were, they were crushed by it. They committed years of their life to it, and they were crushed by this plant. And, um, and they had a choice to make. Because... Um, they realized that they couldn't stay here anymore. It wasn't a healthy place for them to be. They needed to move. Um, and so they came to see me when I was uh, living in Tunbridge Wells. 
And it was particularly poignant because I remember them saying to me when we'd gone around Tunbridge Wells and having dinner in my parents' garden, they were like, Adam, this place just feels like a fairy tale. <laughs> this place feels like a dream compared to what we're used to and what we're going through. Um, and it was, it, was, it was hard to hear how beaten they were and how, how, how exhausted they were. But they had a choice because they, wanted, they were thinking, we could just go back to, to Cardiff, which for them represented comfort. We could go back to comfort, and there would be nothing wrong with them going back to Cardiff. They could join a church, they could flourish and thrive there. It would be great for them to go back to Cardiff. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But they've got a choice. They could go back to Cardiff, or other friends of theirs who had gone to a church plant further down into another Welsh valley were like, or oh, you could come and join our church plant in, this, in, in the neighboring town. And they had this choice. Do we go back to comfort, or we take a risk? Do we go back to comfort or do we take a risk with the Lord? And after much praying and after much talking to, to wiser people than me, they, um, they decided to take that risk to go with the Lord and to move to this other church plant. And actually, years later, they're, they're in such a healthy place. They're happy, they're healthy, they're in a healthy church which loves them and cares for them and, and is th- flourishing. For those who are under the Lord, under the wings of the Lord, risk is right. For those who are under the wings of the Lord, risk is right. So what does this mean for for us? What does it mean for you? On one level, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe there is a door which is slightly ajar in your lives and the Lord is telling you it's time to go for it. Maybe there's a conversation which needs to be had with a friend or a colleague or a family member and it's time to have it. Maybe there's a venture which needs to be started. Or maybe there's a venture which needs to be stopped. But for those under the wings of the Lord, risk is right. Righteous risk, good risk, good plans and purposes. But what does that mean for us as a church here at Christ Church? As a body of believers, what does it mean for us as a community? Well, we want to take the gospel out to the people around us and the streets around us. They're spiritually dead and we want them to be alive. They don't know Jesus and we want them to. Or maybe it means that we're going to have to just do something we've never done before, try things we haven't tried before, give things a go. Because when you're under the wings of the Lord, risk is right. We want to be a body of community, a body of believers, a community which loves each other sacrificially. Brothers and sisters who are standing together for Jesus, encouraging each other, loving each other, supporting each other. This is what God, by his word by his spirit is calling us to be how do we do that well for those under the wings of the lord risk is right so maybe that means we have to push into vulnerability maybe that means we have to push into openness maybe that means we have to push into radical hospitality but for those under the wings of the lord risk is right and maybe you're listening to this and being like adam are you saying that like if it's a risk the lord god is just going to give his seal of approval And it's definitely a yes, and it's definitely a succeed. I am not saying that. I am not saying that. We do not sit on the throne of heaven. We do not know the yes and the no of every situation. We do not always know the way um, which we should go, even though God does. I'm not saying he's going to give his stamp of approval to everything. In the Lord's Prayer, which should always be our prayer, it is that your will be done and that your kingdom come. We make our risk it's always under his providence and his guidance, knowing that he's in control. 
But I am saying that under the wings of the Lord, risk is right. And so we seek wisdom. We ask for people's advice and for their help with some big decisions we've got to make in our lives, or small decisions we've got to make in our lives, but things which might be costly. We pray for one another, and we ask for prayer, and we pray to the Lord for guidance, for help. Lead me, Lord. Guide me, Lord. May Jesus be with me, Lord. And always and forever and continuously, we pursue righteousness. We pursue good dreams, holy dreams, godly dreams, even if there's a risk. Because when you're under the wings of the Lord, risk is right. I don't know what the Lord has been saying to you as we've uh, been hearing from his word. So let's take a moment, just a silence, to reflect on, on, on his word and God's voice and be, ask the Lord, what are you saying to me today? dearest God, Heavenly Father, thank you that in Jesus we who believe are no longer dead sinners but righteous sons and daughters. Thank you that in Jesus we who believe are no longer lost, orphans alone in this world, but are loved and are your children, are found Thank you that we have received and know and have experienced your overwhelming love and kindness. Thank you that we're home where we belong. Help us, Father God, in this place of safety, of refuge, of protection. Help us as we live under your wing to follow wherever Jesus is leading us even if it is down a path which is hard, even if it is down a path which involves risk. Guide us individually, guide us collectively for you and for your glory. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus, your precious gift of love to us. Amen.